Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Liz Walsh, who is running for county council in Howard, Maryland. Get informed, get involved. That's really the takeaway from my conversation with Liz. She saw a problem and figured out what it would take to fix it. Sounds super simple, right? (laughs) It's something we do every day. You encounter a problem, you figure out the solution, and then you fix it. If the dishes are dirty, you clean them. The sink is backed up, you unclog it. So what happens when the problems are outside your house? Potholes in the road, a dangerous intersection, an elected official who doesn't listen to constituents? Okay, maybe running for office isn't as easy as fixing a broken toilet, but thinking about it as a problem that needs to be fixed, rather than a huge insurmountable task, will definitely make it less scary. Okay, I got to ask, how did you come up with this slogan, constituents are my special interest? You know, I don't, I don't even know. I think uh, one of the reasons that I ran was that there was this feeling that there was too much influence by a very few politically connected um, organizations or industries. And so I think it was just something that we were griping about on, on, um, on some of our early messaging. And, and somehow we came up with that phrase. It, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't deliberate. We weren't. We weren't. Um, we weren't that good. It, it was. It was accidental, <laughs> and I couldn't even tell you the, the, um, the direct route to it. But it did. As soon as we hit it, it it definitely. Uh, it everyone responded to it and knew exactly what it meant and where we were going with it. So, um, so we definitely ran with it once we accidentally found it. But I couldn't. I couldn't tell you its origin story in a straight well, line. it's got to be a little stroke of genius because it's so good and it's so clear. <laughs> like your messaging. Thank you. All accidental. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want to jump right in and get you introduced. So who are you and for what are you running? My name is Liz Walsh. I am running for county council in Howard County, Maryland in one of our five districts. Um, My district would represent the towns of Ellicott City, Elkridge, uh, parts of Columbia, and parts of Hanover. And where in the state is that located? It's pretty central Maryland. It's about 20 miles uh, due west of Baltimore City and north of Washington, D.C., so central Maryland. Okay, and why did you decide to run? I needed things to change at the local government level. There were uh, things going on in terms of land use particularly. I live in, in a historic district, um, trees lined with big, or streets lined with big old trees and um young kids in schools and and here at least in in my neighborhoods in my district in my towns uh, development over development of of what limited green spaces we have left is putting an incredible strain on every aspect of our quality of life in terms of schools being overcrowded in terms of watersheds flooding roads being congested and and there just didn't seem to be an urgency um, by our local government to address that. Uh, you know, it was, oh, this is how things are always done, or we're working on it. But uh, especially as someone with young kids, you're like, well, when are you going to fix this? I'm, I'm projecting out to see that my kids will be in overcrowded schools till they graduate from high school. And I'm seeing worsening floods down the street from me, you know, on, a, on an annual basis. Like this, there's an urgency here that, that wasn't being addressed and, and that I thought we could do better on. So... So I, um, so I entered the race. And I guess that's what motivated you to go with like a local race rather than something more state or federal. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is day to day, um, issues that affect 
again, every, everything that you do when you, you know, get in your car and you drive down to, to drop your kids off at school or pick them up or to get a coffee or to drive to work. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's impossible not, not to see the effects of what um, government inaction uh, has done at this point. What does the role of local government have to do with this, like overcrowding? Like, how is that correlated? Uh, here in in Howard County, there are allocations for for new development, um, and they are divided up into different um, areas where where development is supposed to happen at a at a, a faster pace or in a denser um, manner, and then in other areas of the county where uh, development is not supposed to to occur maybe at all. And so there's a there's more of an uh, an angle to preserve in our case the agricultural land out west, and and there is the theory that as new development comes in, uh, that the county government ensures that the attendant uh, infrastructure that that new development would require would be built in. Things like schools or water and sewer capacity or new seats in the school buildings. But for whatever reason, that hasn't happened and it hasn't happened for maybe decades. And so the consequence of this is that the new development builds in at this ferocious pace and um, what they're building into it isn't adequate to ensure that, that the government services meet it. And so again, then, then you deal with the crowded schools or water pressure that's bananas or um, a roadway that takes half an hour to pass two miles. And so um, it, it is, I don't think it's impossible to do. I think it's planning. I think it's um, assessing the right kinds of fees to pay for the new services that need to be built. But again, for whatever reason, it just hasn't been done, and it certainly hasn't been done with the kind of urgency that those of us who live through it, muck through it day to day, think that it should have. And how did you... I'm, I'm asking all these questions because I know these are questions that a lot of people have when they're like driving to work and it takes, you know, forever to get just down the road to, to their job and kids are fighting for classroom time with their teachers. So how did you correlate that, these frustrating overcrowding issues with okay i need to get on this the city council or the county council and do something about this like did you did you already know that they were the ones responsible for this or did you like research it and figure out this is the problem and this is the solution uh, that that's an easier question for me <laughs> because <laughs> here in the last couple years uh and I, I think in most counties in Maryland, at least, and I don't think, actually, I think it's a pretty common feature. Is there's a, an ordinance. It's the Adequate Public Facilities Ordinance, right? And so that's, that's enabling legislation that allows uh, local government to assess these kind of fees and to do the kinds of tests that say, is the existing infrastructure adequate to, or is the, are the existing public facilities adequate to take on the, the growth? And, and so depending on what a given county or jurisdiction is interested in regulating, that can extend to all kinds of things. Or in the case of my home, Howard County, it is limited simply to schools and roadways. And so uh, I started paying attention to land use and regulation and the consequences of maybe not doing it the right way more in regard to the environmental issues that, you know, last stands of old trees were being cut down. Um, all kinds of environmental protections like buffers around existing stream beds or watersheds, those were not being honored. Um, but then, uh, just coincidentally, uh, the Adequate Public Facilities Ordinance started uh, getting uh, in play in the local 
in the local council and and I could see that they were all that all of those issues were related that that again there was this ferocious pace of development this kind of acquiescence like well you know this is the only way that that this many houses can be squished onto this kind of property and you know slopes be damned or watershed be damned but this is this is the only way they can put all these houses here and it all to me seemed wrapped up into the same ball which is our priorities are upside down if if we have these laws that are supposed to be protecting things like watersheds or tree canopies or ensuring that public facilities are adequate like schools and roadways at a minimum um, then we need to do better. And so when that legislation came up, it was kind of a light bulb in my head, like, geez, this is the way you're supposed to be regulating it. And we're not doing, we're not using it the way that it should be. And we're kind of negotiating against ourselves and that the theory is, well, you have to have, you have to have all these new homes in order to pay for all the, you know, the, to raise the tax base. But if the new homes are creating such a drain on the infrastructure as it is, you never catch up. And so we're always in this reactive, catching up, we don't have enough high schools, we don't, we don't have adequate stormwater infrastructure, and, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, and I, I, it needed to stop, it needed to change, and so it was that particular legislation in the last year or so that, that was the light bulb for me, where, oh, we could fix this, you know, people have figured out how to fix this, we just haven't done it ourselves here. Have you always been political? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, I have plenty of things to do in my free time. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and running for office wasn't one of them. I will say that the first time I even donated money to a political campaign was the last presidential election. And um, even then it was this kind of sense of direness, like this is a big deal, this, this could go badly real fast. And, um, and so, so I donated uh, to the Hillary Clinton campaign in, in that election and then started paying more attention to races going further and further down. I loved all those ladies running in Texas. I thought they were 100% inspirational and threw some money down there and then again kept getting closer and closer to home. And so um, initially there were some great new candidates running in other districts in Howard County. And so I would start following them. I would, you know, donate to their campaigns. And then and then it was this notion of why, why don't I have a candidate in District 1 that, that I could support and, I don't know, maybe even volunteer some hours or, you know, make a donation to, to that person's campaign. And, and, um, and that kind of planted the seed of, well, that is a good question, like plenty of really smart, capable, passionate people that live right here in my hometown and in my home district. And why, why isn't that person stepping forward? So instead they got me. But... Um, uh, <laughs> But it, no, not, no, I filed on the last day of eligibility. I was hoping someone else would step up, but I couldn't, it, it was a void I was not prepared to watch for another four years. What's your background? I, um, I have a civil engineering degree from Georgia Tech. Uh, I worked for four years as a general contractor, a national general contractor, um, before I went to law school. And then I went to law school and graduated in 2000, but always with that construction angle. And so... For the last almost 20 years, I've been working um, in private practice, um, mostly for clients in the construction industry. Um, at this point, uh, big, giant, international engineering procurement construction contractors or the project owners who are building the multi-billion projects that those kinds of contractors build. You know, the usual. <laughs> So what has the process of running been like for you so far? Uh, um, it is a lot. It is a lot. Um, I am still working full time. I have two young kids. 
I thought I did my due diligence before filing that little piece of paper about you know whether or not I could take on something like running for local office. In theory, the job itself is part time, um, but it is it is all consuming. I am. Um, it's almost like having a kid where you, you know it's coming and maybe you can do a little bit of preparation, but you just have no idea of the kind of game-changing uh, lifestyle. Everything is upside down. So uh, it's just, it's a lot. That's what I will say. It is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. What surprised you the most about running? Um, I am surprised at the willingness of people who I don't, really know, you know, maybe even in passing have met, but there are a lot of people who spend so much time on my campaign that I only met as part of assembling, you know, a campaign team and then and then pushing forward. And especially since we're grassroots, we don't have the corporate money. Um, we're doing this all ourselves. It's all volunteer hours. The number of people and the amount of time that they contribute um, because they're just as passionate about, you know, one of these issues, either schools or environment or or, or just something that matters, you know, deeply to their core that that people are willing to put aside, uh, you know, a lot of other things they'd rather be doing or should be doing in order to advance this campaign. And that uh, all along has, you know, it is a lot, but I know there's a lot of people doing a lot and that'll keep me going till the end. So you've got this big, important job, you've got kids, now you've <laughs> added on running for office at the same time. Clearly you're busy, but yes. what gives you energy? Uh, I don't, I, the true answer is I drink way, I, I have like a sugar fix and, and I've even been, I, I've noticed it's getting worse now in the general, in the general election. It started earlier, but I don't, I, I we're going to have to like modify diet here because I, I'm going to weigh like 500 pounds by the time November 6th comes around. And, uh, it is, it's, uh, it's either, yeah, it's either horrible, horrible sugary drinks and or again, just this like conviction deep in my soul that what we're doing is right and matters and can make meaningful change for a lot of people in the near term. Like, how can you not say no to that? It seems, you know, especially my old flooding town, every time it rains, that kind of steals me to, I know you're tired. I know there's 20,000 things you need to do, but do like, I don't know, five of them and see how far that gets you today. So what's the biggest challenge you've faced so far? Biggest, it is, it's time, it's time management. Um, there are, uh, on any given night, five different things that I would love to go to and I know I would meet, you know, more people um, that could either tell me about something that matters or help me understand something that I didn't know about before and you just, I can't, I cannot be physically present in all of those places. So it's always this, oh geez, you know, I should have been over here or there, or, uh, I don't know, but um, I'm somewhere, I just don't know if it's the right place at all times. <laughs> so how can people get involved with your campaign? We, um, we love volunteers because again, we, uh, we, um, this all volunteer driven, it's grassroots. So we have all kinds of ways to access us through Walsh 41, W-A-L-S-H-F-O-R-O-N-E. Um, there's a website, uh, .com. We're on Facebook with that same address. We're on Twitter at that same address. You can fill out forms at the website that say, you know, I want to do X, Y, and Z, which is things like knocking on doors with one of our crews on weekends or weeknights or um, phone banking. We have lots of ladies writing postcards because they don't um, necessarily want to go and knock on strangers' doors all the time. But um, but mostly we say, what do you got? Like, you got a skill set. You see what we're doing. We, we're kind of you know, winging this, we're all neophytes to the political game. So if you have a skill set that you see is lacking from us, 
good God, please call us and, and, um, and add it to our crew because we can always do better. That's, um, you know, we're always listening. We can always do better. We'll take, we'll take what you got. All right. I got one last question for you. What is one piece of advice that you might have for a woman who's thinking about running for office? Do it, do it. The more I, um, I go around and talk to some of these political organizations, people who have kind of come up through, um, those organizations that I never was part of before uh, I entered this race, uh, I see in women more than men this hesitancy, like, I'm not ready yet. I have to do these other things. Maybe after this happens. Dudes don't say that. I don't think dudes say that in their head. <laughs> and I think women are just taking themselves out of the game for too long with this, you know, I don't know that it's hand wringing or self doubt. I don't even know what it is. I think we're just more cautious and methodical, or I, I don't know, but just do it. Do it. it, it uh, do. I will help you. Call me and I will help you, but do it. Stop <laughs> waiting. We can't wait. It's time for change. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Emily. And that's it for today. Big thanks to Liz Walsh for chatting with me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at walshforone.com. She's also over on Facebook at Liz Walsh for Howard County Council. And on Twitter, you can find her at, at Walsh for One. You can find She's Running on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, please tell a friend about the show. You can also help me out by writing She's Running on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to us right now. And that's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon. <laughs>